0: at NewBalance.com. I'm Jimmy Trashcan, Cream Cheese, Connor Dino, Conrad, alongside Charlie Chuck Wagon Davies, and Hollywood Heath Pearson. Guys, did you know that Aleko only had one cap for the US Men's National Team? Also, there are currently 619 guys that only have one cap to their name, and Aleko was one of them. So, I wanted to honor the
2: one-cap oh, wow. heroes
0: out there because it's tough to even get called in, let alone represent your team, your national. Who team, else is there in one game? There's yeah, a give lot. Us a not-
2: give you give want us some a notable one. Notable- Joey yeah.
0: Franchino. There's a good one for you. Sean Franklin.
3: Okay. Uh,
2: who else is on Isn't Jesse Marsh a one capper?
3: I think he, he has two. I think
0: Jesse has two. Oh. He
2: got Tate the one against Iani. China. Yeah.
0: Oh, Tate Ianni. That's Patrick Ianni's brother. Richie Kochow. You remember Richie Kochow? Richie Ledesma currently playing for okay. PSV. Brooks Lennon. Chad McCarty. Any of these names? Ring a bell. Who else is on? There's 619. I'm just like rolling through these days. Kurt Onalfo. Ike Owen Otisoe plays for Club Bruges or doesn't actually play for Club Bruges. He's watching other guys play for Club Bruges, but he's on the club. Mm-hmm. Who else is on here? That's uh, man, Otisoe uh, was a Clyde big one. Clyde Sims, if you remember, Clyde Clyde's oh, an awesome dude. dude. One capper, okay. One capper. Tanner Tessman, Tony Tachani, Brandon Vincent, Taylor Twelman's dad, Tim, has one cap back in 1982. Way to go, Tim Twelman. Jeremy, Jeremiah White, remember him? Oh, yeah, yep. Sal <laughs> Zizzo. Yep. Let's give a shout-out to Sal Zissou with the one cap, baby. Sal. Yeah, so there's plenty of guys, but I wanted to give a shout-out to uh, Aleko Escandarian. Jer- Jeremy Abobasi is another one with one cap. Okay. Well, that's a, that's a notable one. Chad Barrett.
3: Yeah.
2: Chad Barrett Eddie was a national teamer. Cole Bassett. I think he scored. I think he scored. Io- Akinola. It was like versus the Bahamas or something.
0: Hold on. Let me see. Jesse Marsh has two caps. That's correct.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I
0: know Bob gave him one
3: uh, that there was like a China game in, in San Jose or somewhere like that. Um,
2: yep. That was my first cap.
3: Bob
0: is handing out done? freebies, mm-hmm. freebie caps to to his yeah, yeah, players. He, Jesse, he I, gave, I, don't, I don't believe he it.
2: Gave Ante, he gave Ante Razov a, a cap. Jesse Marsh game. has, or uh, excuse and me, Jesse Bob Mar- Bradley
0: Marsh. has favorites. I don't believe it. <laughs> That's, I mean, man, one cap. I mean,
3: the, the odd thing is, right? If you, if, uh, not to hijack the subject, but if you had, say, three caps for Germany, You would be, you would have gotten a brand new contract. You'd be making way more money, and you'd forever be considered a German international at a level that I don't think that that we have here now. It's Germany, right? And it's not it's different than the U.S. But like German international, the valuation—if you remember, like even Jermaine Jones when he first got his couple caps with Germany, like he went into this category of like endorsement-wise, contract-wise, and well deserving because he's uh, obviously the quality of a player. But that is the difference between like. Being going into another cap. And that's the validator of you being at another level uh, in terms of even the way your club sees you when you have a couple caps under your name. Maybe not one, but a couple.
0: Anyway, I wanted to start there because there's a lot of guys that when I was looking at players, we can mention at the top of the show. It's like, let me look at the guys that are one cappers. And there's 619 of them. Obviously, that's going to grow as time goes on. But we're going to get into a big preview, everybody. So if you're listening, watching, whatever it is, make sure you subscribe, hit follow, leave five-star reviews. We love all the support as we continue to grow this community ahead of the 2022 World Cup, which is coming very, very soon. And our guys are playing in some big games around the world. I kind of want to go, guys. I want to go chronologically. And we got to start with Strasbourg taking on Lille today because Timo Weah Got some minutes last week against Lance in their 1-0 win. Lille's now up to 7th in Liga. That was a big win for them because Lance is currently in 4th. And now they travel away to Strasbourg. That's kicking off today. I don't think that team away is going to start Charlie Davies. But hopefully no. he comes on, off the bench and becomes another super sub and continues to build on those minutes. So that he can be ready to go in almost a month's time for the
2: World Cup. But that's all you can ask for. I think we all know how important Timo away is to the us men's national team now having had him and he had to work his way into the squad because if you remember the nation's league uh he in the finals he he came in as a sub he was playing right back at times for leal he was playing you know right wing back for us he got up and down he was way down i think on the depth chart and then he finally got his opportunity and he ran with it and we saw how important he was because of his speed. He gets in behind. He's, he's confident. He takes, he takes chances and risks. He goes down to the end line. Now we, when you don't have him, you realize how important that is because of all the space that creates and and his work ethic on both sides of the ball. So I would love, I'd love to see him continue to build on his match fitness, his sharpness and he's getting that training, but it's all about that match preparation and, and getting in games and, and, Obviously, trying to get some goals and assists with that wheel style.
0: Yeah, tra- training's one thing; games obviously uh, a much different animal. Before we move forward, though, and I meant to mention this before we got into the previews, we got an interesting tweet from one of our loyal followers, Eddie, on the Twitter. Make sure you drop us a follow on Twitter, ISWT Pod. We'd appreciate that. And ask us any questions you want; we'll answer them on a show at some point. Maybe not the one that's happening directly after you ask. We waited a couple shows before we got into this. He had a couple topics for us to explore. And one of the ones that I thought was interesting and could really tie into how we're framing up some of these games and what we want to see from some of our players this weekend in particular, because there's only a couple weekends left before Greg Berhalter has to name his 26-man roster on November 9th, which apparently is happening in some big to-do in Brooklyn on ESPN or whatever. So we'll see how that goes. But this is the topic he wanted us to explore. What are the three things individuals on our team need to do at the World Cup for our team to beat expectations. Now I kind of want to work backwards on this, Heath, because I feel like we need to define what the expectations are first before we can really nominate the three things individuals need to do to to get past that, to beat those.
3: I mean I, I would say realistically it's it, as a team it's to get out of the group stages right make the knockout rounds that's point that's that's number 1 I know Charlie had mentioned that's that That's like an, a my,
0: very general way I mean I, I assume every nation's going into that though let's just yeah.
3: we we no, want to get out not of the group not
2: now. not every nation you hope but expectations <laughs> expectations versus reality are two big things okay, that's so fair when you're looking at these groups and you're looking at the team who is probably the fourth-ranked team in each group, the expectation is not to get out of the group. That it it would be, let's put up some good performances that we can be be proud of, represent our country well, and go back home, and people respect that, as long as we went out with a fight. Then there's, within the group, it's, hey, let's get out. The goal is to get out of the group. Everyone has a goal in each locker room. You're not going in to lose, but the expectation is not to get out. The expectation for the U.S. is not only to get out and that's what the group's mission is that's that's what should happen if they play well they should get out of the group and you never know with an upset against england you know a draw against england whatever that is either way anything less than getting out of the group is unacceptable
3: okay yeah i mean i would say unacceptable versus the versus the the expectation I, i mean I guess that's the I guess it's the same thing. But I guess what I'm saying is like no team goes into the World Cup thinking they don't have any chance of anything, right? They're thinking the same thing is like, man, if we could pull off a draw on this one, and then maybe the second game becomes, okay, we can get a win here. And and that's kind of kind of how it goes. But I would say the US is in that upper category of it has to get out of the group stages uh for us to look at it as any sort of recognizable, even measurable impact on the World Cup. I'm not necessarily saying success or failure i mean that's all relative but to get to that I, th- I think to get to the individuals you've got to start with at least a, a collective goal of you know it can't just be like team away scores two goals in the group stages you know um you got to get out of the group stages as a team well
2: what yeah, stood out so for me
3: would...
0: well charlie for what what stood out for me what you said is we have to play well to get out of the group so i think the macro thing is yes i have expectations that we can and we should get out of the group but the play well thing is interesting because that gets a little bit more micro. What do you, mm-hmm. like, what do we want to see? What are our expectations? Do we have to play a certain way to get out of the group or is it just going to be more counterattack, yeah. hit them on set pieces, who gives a shit how we get there as long as we get there kind of thing? I actually want to see us graduate and evolve from that because I think we have the talent to do so. Yeah. But the Japan and Saudi Arabia game, Maybe hit pause on that, and now I just want to get out of the group. However, it
2: matters. no, I, I think <laughs> I think there's levels to it, right? So Saudi Arabia is a perfect a, a perfect opportunity to talk about their expectations in this group. They have Argentina. You're not beating Argentina on your best day. You're not beating Argentina unless and they have, have
0: a unless they have their worst day when we're having. And then Argentina friends. has <laughs>
2: like <laughs> a red card or, but then you have Mexico and Poland. They're finishing fourth. In reality, that's what everyone in the world thinks. Now, in this, in their group, they're probably saying, "Hey, we can maybe have some upsets. Maybe we have a couple of draws, go our way. You know, maybe there's a red card, whatever." But ultimately, the expectation is that they finish fourth. You look at the U.S.'s group, Iran, Wales. I know FIFA ranking doesn't really hold that much bearing in this competition, but they should get out considering that they're a better team than Wales. In Iran, they have more talent than Wales in Iran. So I think when it comes to tactical discipline within the game, they should go out and ball against Wales. They should have more possession. They should keep the ball. They should create chances, prevent Wales from getting on the counter. Good. Against England, you got to switch it up because you can't play that way against England. England are better pound for pound individually as a team. They've done more as of of late. Yeah, they have been in a, a little bit of a rut. But ultimately, you have to change the way you play. And it's gotta be. It's probably gonna be ugly. But if you win that game ugly, or you get a point, or result in that game ugly, everybody in the U.S. isn't gonna give it a damn.
0: I get it. I get it. I get it. But for us who want to see us get better uh, and play no, better, I'm, I... I'm in
2: the boat. You okay, that's fine.
0: Okay, you get it done. Okay, I respect it, and yeah, I'm I'm I'm, it. I'm 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 there. But but let's scrape away our 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 passion for the team, and and obviously our previous experience, and just look at this as. This U.S. team finished third in their World Cup qualifying region and tied with the fourth-place team, Costa Rica, who had to go into a playoff to qualify for the World Cup. We didn't win our group. We didn't necessarily play great throughout World Cup qualifying, but we did just enough. And that might be what we have to do through our group. But, Jimmy, Jimmy. I'm just just trying to put that out there. What do you
3: call a person that finished last in their med school class? You call them a doctor. I get it. Yes. So that's qualifying. But World Cup group stages... That's different. I think that's a that's a tournament play versus like the, the, the goal to qualify supersedes anywhere that you fall into the category. No one looks back and goes, Yeah, it. but you know, where, where they are. Do I think that that we fell short of the expectations then? Absolutely. But it it, it 2018 is the example of, of failing. Uh, whereas this was this was a little bit more of like we can look back on it and go, well, Yeah, yeah, they should have gotten more points out of these games. They struggled away from home and all those types of things in the group stages. I think uh, uh, Charlie's right. And there was a comment in here that was uh, about, about the U S having the highest group B has the highest average FIFA ranking. And it was around 15 or something like that uh, as, as an average. Now we know that the the rankings don't mean anything because they are just completely screwed up and skewed, especially in the world of COVID on how accumulation of, of, of those, those um, coefficients work. But there is, there is an opportunity. I think group B probably gives the most, most life if you're Iran. If Iran was in Saudi's group or if the U.S. was in Saudi's group or if, if Wales was in Saudi's group, they'd all be looking at it the same way as Charlie just mentioned. But now they all feel like there's a little bit of hope. So I think there is a little bit of danger in there that everybody believes that they can get out of this group based on who's in this group. But for the U.S., I don't care how they play. As long as that fight is there, they make it difficult. They're gonna And that willingness to adjust to the game, adjust to the circumstances. Charlie says, we should have the ball against Wales. But if we don't, then what? And that's what I want to see from this team is like, if we don't have the ball, if Wales plays us differently, because if you're another team, you look at us and you go, we struggle in the low block. We struggle against the high press. Maybe they're going to say, let's take it to them in a different way. Test it. If it doesn't work, we fall back into something different. So I think the U.S. has to do whatever it takes with the intelligence that they have to get out of the group stages. And that means just fight and throw everything else out. If that means despite the coach. And we know, by the way, the rumors out of 2019 World Cup was that the team fought despite Jill Ellis. They, they decided to come together and say, we don't necessarily agree with certain things, the way she treats players or the tactics or whatever. I'm just speculating on what it was. But they came together and decided that they were going to be the group that despite all the challenges they had with their coach, they were going to go and win the World Cup. And I think the U.S. doesn't necessarily have that, that sentiment publicly with Greg Berhalter, but they need to find a way to come together, either for or against or with or alongside that's going to get them that result to get out of the group stages. Because it's not going to be from the little tiny tactics that we've seen Greg tinker with over the last couple of years.
0: Okay, so expectations, so to get out of the group. Let's just set that as the standard. Then what are the three things you think individuals have to do to exceed those expectations? Charlie, I'll come to you because at this moment, at this very moment, it just feels like I don't know if Wales and or Iran, and definitely not England, are scared of us. I don't think we've we've shown any results, especially recently, where they're like, God damn, those guys are good. You know, I think that there's been some blueprints that have been laid down by some of our recent opponents that this is how you can stifle and frustrate this American attack. And then they lack the ideas, and maybe creativity or even the guile and grit to to fight through that. And that makes me a little bit nervous. But let's say the three. What are some of your maybe you just give us one and then Heath can have one and I'll have one as well.
2: Well, one, I love the fact that no one's scared of the U.S. That's great. We, we've, we've been at our best when we're the underdogs, when teams don't rate us, don't value us. And this team had had been put, I think, in a higher category, unfairly or, or fairly. You could look at it two different ways because of the clubs that they are signed to. So you have a number of players playing Champions League for the first time in the U.S. Men's National Team history at the same time and, and players playing in Europe and top leagues. But... They're not the stars or starting consistently for these top teams, right? So they are unfairly all of a sudden saying, hey, because you have a guy playing in the Champions League semifinal, a guy who's won the Champions League, you guys are automatically a top 16 team in the world. Canada finished top of qualifying in CONCACAF and they're 41. So when you say the coefficient for or the average ranking for these teams in this group is is this and this I don't buy any of that because there's no way Canada is the forty-first best team in the world. They have (laughs) only thirty-two teams in the
3: World Cup. (laughs) It's like,
2: come on, this is a group of death. You have Canada, you have you have Belgium, you have Croatia, and you have Morocco. Like, it it doesn't get really more difficult than that in in terms of World Cup uh, group stage. So, I'd say for the U.S. to be at their best, because okay, they're not scared of of our teams. They're going to come at us. Well, Christian Pulisic has to be on point. And, and for Christian Pulisic to be on point, he's got to be taking up the right spaces on the field, not asked to do too, or not feel that he needs to do too much, play simple and effective and quick. And then in terms of our midfield, which is our strongest point of our team, making sure that we're protecting the back four and that we're, we are absolutely awesome in possession and in the transition game. Because if we can get Christian Pulisic in transition, Timo Weah, whether it's Gio Reyna in, uh, in the field or Pepe or Ferreira or P Folk, whoever it may be, that we are just playing to our strengths and, and creating those mismatches in, in transition, 3v2s, 2v1s, and taking advantage of it. That's when we're going to be at our best.
0: All right, Heath, what about you? What's what's a, one thing that needs to stand out for from an individual standpoint for us to, to exceed expectations? I think it goes back to what I was saying before of just that, 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 uh,
3: emotional iq of the players to understand what the game is giving them regardless of the game plan regardless of the tactic if it if they are high pressing us where is the space where are we going to gain you know we, you talked about it jimmy of no team fearing us right uh for a team to at least respect us you have to win some of that that, that ground battle right if they're going to give us that space in the channels Take the space. I don't care if Christian Pulisic only wants the ball at his feet. Spin out over the top a couple times to at least get that defender off your back a little bit, right? And create that space for you underneath to you know, check back. And now, you know, we all know, as or we do, uh, Jimmy, as defenders, you check in a couple times on me, you spin out a couple times on me, I'm going to go like, man, I don't want to follow this guy all the way into the midfield again because he's not going to get the ball. Or he's just going to lay it off if he does. Or I got to be careful because he's going to spin out. Those types of things I think are really important. So if we're playing against a high press or a low press or, or a mid block, where do we get our, our wins, that understanding of the flow of the game? Because we know the game changes like this. For five minutes, you might be leaning on them, and it's like, okay, it's time to high press, it's time to go, it's time to try to get something out of this. Okay, follow that rhythm. Can we now fluidly move through those through those motions of a game to get the most of them? And then the part two to that is and and most of that I think is is might be from the defenders, it might be from the attackers that will, the run that we know dictates the pass. But the part two of that is the confidence from our attacking four or five to, co- to combine, to create, to play fearlessly. I think that's going to be the thing that forces teams to respect us. We saw the short windows when Sergio Des gets behind a defender. What that does to defend it, defenses, right? When he's attacking, when we create overloads, when we create numerical advantages on the field, that forces teams to respect you, at least on some level. Now, whether or not we punish them for that, for, uh, for that or not is, is the next step from there. But I think that willingness to implement our quality on teams, even for short windows to at least hit that reset button for them. So they can't cheat against us. They can't, you know, stick to their game plan. They're forced to adjust. I think that's, what's going to help us exceed expectations.
0: No, no, you've got a lot there and, and I'm probably going to use a couple of it to, from my one thing. I mean, ultimately, and I've said this before, I just don't want us to be timid. Just go out there and play to the best of your ability. Try to go for it. But in, in that there's got to be some discipline. So we can't have Anthony Robinson not being timid, bombing forward. And we got Sergio Des bombing forward on the other side. And all of a sudden we're vulnerable in those gaps. That's going to stretch out our center backs. are going to have to go wide. And now that creates gaps in the middle, which can really hurt us. And we've seen goals being scored on us when we do take those chances with our outside backs. If we have a turnover in the middle of the field, which is how Japan scored their first goal. And Serginho Des was up. And it created those gaps that we got hammered on. So, so there's a little bit of that to your emotional iq and to what charlie said before where yes you want to be you want to go for it you want to show the best version of ourselves but also be really smart and thoughtful about where we're doing it and when we're doing it and then obviously taking what the game is giving us and recognizing that quickly one of the things everybody should be looking for when the games start if we hit a long ball this is a really good example if we hit a long ball and two or three guys were kind of ready for it and the other five were checking back into it we're not on the same page Right. And so how do those guys react when that that type of stuff happens? That's just a little thing. And obviously, we can look into that as we get into the previews of the World Cup, which obviously I'm very excited about. But Eddie, thank you so much for that comment. That was some great conversation. Now let's get into the previews. And now the next one. Real
3: real quick uh, on that. I wanted to have a follow up up question for you too. follow up. Um, and, And I want you both to answer this. When we are talking about the individuals exceeding expectations as a team, as a team, would you say that? Step one is out of the, get out of the group stages. And step two, or, or part two, or, or, or I guess check, checklist number two, would be getting out of the group stages in a way that we could all understand, right? Fight is one way that gets you out, but you leave some chance in fight, right? Of like, that's not, that can't always do it. It could do it, but if we were to get out in a way that we go, okay, the three of us can now look at it and go, this is how we got out of the group stages. Do you think that is a pivotal step forward for this team to say, okay, we get how they did it. They played differently against each team, but it was a clear view holistically as to what they were trying to do and how they were trying to execute that. Do you think that's an important part
0: or or a measurable part of, of their for success? Me, it, for me, it time? is important. I'm going to go first, Charlie. For me, it is important because I want to see us – Obviously, the grit and the fight has to be there. That is a hallmark of, of our national team, and I don't want to ever lose that no matter how talented we get and become, and as we're definitely getting to those levels. That always has to be there. The, the next thing, though, is we have two opponents in this particular group in Wales and Iran that we should, at least on paper, have enough talent to dictate what's happening in the game and, and to be anticipatory. I feel like when we start to play in these games and we start to suffer a little bit, we get, a, we get reactionary. And then all of a sudden it's one domino falls and the next domino falls and we're just not there and we can't close the gaps. Now we can't regain control. I don't know. I can feel Charlie. Is he signed, Charlie? But I just feel like there's an element element of this of I want us to be in charge. I want us to make them suffer. And I don't know if we do that enough. Okay, maybe even in CONCACAF we struggle at times with really Mm -hmm. dictating the the terms of it because we get frustrated. We can't break down a low block, a mid block, whatever it is. And we don't have answers for that. I'm not saying you have to have the ball the whole time to be in control. You can still not have the ball and push teams to to areas where you're going to allow them to have it. And once they go into the areas where you want to win it, that's when you go and win it. Are we that organized at this point? It's hard to say. And it's going to be hard for any national team to try to figure that out in a 10-day span if you haven't already figured it out. Already. So anyway, Charlie, that's kind of, that's, that's, but I do want to see some aesthetically pleasing stuff out there that shows that we're evolving as a national team.
2: I think what, what everyone wants to see is us not be predictable, mm-hmm. right? That's good. I like that. If we aren't predictable, which we have been then, and we win games, that's it. That's a success because there were, there were moments where we were awesome at set pieces and that seemed to disappear. and And I feel like that's gotta be strong in the world cup. Because when those games when you're playing England and you're playing ugly, and you're playing a little bit more physical and sometimes in some cases dirty, just being the aggressor at times. Well, the way to break through is with set pieces. And and if that's how we win the game, no one's gonna say a damn thing. If we win off one corner kick or one dead ball and they outplayed us, but we get three points and we finish the top of the group. Do you think anyone's gonna look back and go, ah, oh, you know what, no. that was ugly uh, this, no. So I just want to see. But I'll remember,
0: Charlie. I'll remember. uh, You you will. (laughs) I
2: I just want us to be able, you know, to have guys who are comfortable on the ball. Sometimes it looks like guys don't want the ball or they're not comfortable or it has to be up their foot right away. You know, there's, there's a, there's a, in some cases, there's, it's great to play one touch, two touch and looks good. But, you need guys who who can get on the ball and dribble out of pressure sometimes. Take their players 1v1 and not, and not feel hesitant, not be scared, and 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 take risks and chances. And if we can have that, that I think that's the X factor because then you see the game opens up. Once you beat that one player and they're not expecting you to take it on the dribble, guys get it pulled out of position. You can play one-twos, and it looks fluid. It looks exciting. Uh, I think that's what we want to see.
0: No, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see how we play, man. I mean, we, there's going to be a lot of talk and build up to this. But uh, let's get into the previews. We're going to do a yeah. lap around. This is how it's going to work. We'll do a lap around Europe and any other areas. And then for the second half of the show, we'll get into the MLS playoffs because that is kicking off. And obviously, we have some national team players that are participating in some very big games, win or go home. And that's what we want games with a lot of stakes on it no matter where you're playing around the world so I'm going to give one game you'll get a comment you guys and I'll move on to the next game we'll go from there the next one up we're going chronologically so today we had team away playing for Lille we got Valencia taking on Elche in La Liga on Saturday morning Yunus Musa got 28 minutes in their last game it looks like he's back and ready to go Heath Pierce I know that uh, Charlie is the biggest fan maybe I'm going to Charlie. Charlie let's talk about Yunus Musa. you're his number one fan Yes. Do you think he's going to start this one? Now, Valencia are only three points behind the top four in La Liga, right behind Atletico Madrid. So mm-hmm. a win here against Elche, who they usually do beat, would go a long way. And hopefully Moose is a big part of it.
2: Well, I think Moose is a big part of this project for Valencia. I mean, his his name's already being linked to Liverpool. So that tells you how, how well he's done under Gattuso so far. They're playing the last place team in the group. So if you're looking at the table, Elche is at the bottom. This is an opportunity to either a let him come in as a second a half substitute, maybe at halftime, maybe you know at the 60th minute, or you say, all right, he's he's well enough. We feel confident. I mean, they've only scored four goals in league play and they've given up 19. Uh, if he's good to go and there's <laughs> no question marks about his health, I want to see him start because this is the opportunity to get on get on the score sheet. So um, it, it's a great game for 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 Yunus Musa to be a part of. All right, that's upside,
0: one to keep an eye on, of course. Go ahead, Heath. The upside on that is that he is now
3: an asset, right? He is a financial asset for the club, and that's an incentive to like for like with another midfielder that's experienced or a player like him that you know is building value. Um, it's always better to play him, right? And I think that's, a, that's going to help him get those consistent minutes, even coming back from injury, because they know that there is something there post-World <laughs> Cup going into the spring of next year that he is of value to somebody um, and that value uh, dwindles or depreciates if he's not playing or on the bench. So I think that's always a good helping sign um, for a player that we want to be playing regular minutes is that they also need to play him to, to keep that asset value high.
0: No, That's a, that's a good addition to that. Uh, and, and it is funny how things change when you become a financial asset. All right, let's move over to Germany. we got Kevin Paredes and Wolfsburg hosting Joe Scally and Borussia Gladbach. i I'm seeing some news here. Heath, I'll come back to you as our resident outside back. <laughs> that Joe Scalley might not be starting this one, even though Daniel Farca did stay with him after he had a poor outing uh, in a recent game. And that's promising that even when he struggles, he's not just automatically going to come out of the lineup. But I'm seeing some reports that he might not get the start In this one, which obviously would give us cause for concern, because even though Joe Scalley, I think, only has three caps for the U.S. men's national team, he is definitely on the tip of everybody's tongue, including our own, about being included in the team because he is a player that's playing well, playing in the top league and playing for a big club. And uh, we need as much experience of those types of guys as possible.
3: Yeah, I mean, and look, like we had talked about, uh, like we've talked about before, he was supposed to be behind Stefan Leiner. Uh, who is an Austrian international and was sort of the, the the experienced player at the club. And he's been beating him out this year with Stefan liner on the bench. And so I like this. And I like this for two reasons. One, if he doesn't play uh, I think it's important for a kid, his age, 19 years old to go through what he's going through and, you know, to take a step back, to take two steps forward, I think it's really important. You don't want these, you don't want after a, poor performance or even a couple of poor performances to not be able to assess that and have him learn from that. doesn't mean he's not the starter anymore, but that competition is going to make him a far better player, especially experiencing that at this young, young age and generally winning out in, in the end, like he has been doing over the last two seasons. so not ideal for, for us as, as USMNT fans, if he's not starting, but again, another opportunity for him to compete and fight back for his, his, his spot. I was actually just talking to him yesterday on, on, on orange slices about, that and that the competition with him with with liner he was supposed to be behind him but he's now had an opportunity to prove that he's a starter time and time again and i think that's a really important factor for him i didn't i didn't there was no speculation as to whether or not he would start this weekend but the flip side of that is kevin paredes um is another player that's starting to get some of that sort of final quarter of an hour final 20 minutes and he's another teenager that we need uh to develop and get regular minutes for the, for the national team because he is uh, unbelievable on the ball. Great dribbler, could be a fullback for us or a wing back at some point for our national team. Has a lot of these tools that you would hate to see wasted by him leaving DC United to go to Europe and then just sit on the bench for a couple of seasons during this crucial development period.
0: Yeah, it'd be nice to see Kevin Paredes is left footed, everybody. So it'd be nice to have more left footed players in the pipeline. It feels like we're putting a lot of right sided guys, at least in the wing spot. To cut in on the right which i get there's a ton of value on that but it would just be nice to have even more options especially with a left-sided player and, and obviously paredes has got a huge huge upside all right let's move over to la liga no excuse me Serie A, and talk juventus
2: Wait, whoa, whoa. we can't we can't skip bundesliga without union berlin versus dortmund
0: uh, i was waiting till sunday we we're going chronolo- chronologically uh, but it's fine let's yeah, go uh, union berlin you talk you talk a little jordy pfuck i was just like bouncing <laughs> around He's bouncing around. Fine, let's talk Jordy Peefock. bouncing right? around. bouncing yeah. around. It's like Union Berlin's hosting Borussia Dortmund. We can talk about yeah. that. And Jordy Peefock, who hasn't scored or had an assist in a while, are you concerned mm-hmm. about that or does it even matter because Greg's not going to take him anyway?
2: <laughs> uh, that that, just, that just doesn't ahead, sound Charlie. right. Just, that it. doesn't sound right. Go ahead, Charlie. Take it away. You got it. Yeah, he. he it looks like he is not um, – it looked like he was frustrated yesterday in, in Europa League uh, watching him play. Uh, but he was trying to press. He was, you know, running at the center backs, trying to get the ball. He, he was making runs in behind, but just wasn't wasn't sharp. So it's one of those things where a, a performance against Dortmund, and who knows how much time Gio Reyna will get. I would assume he, he'd get some um, some time off the bench. That uh, this, this could be a good game to watch just to see – if he's effective in this match and, and what he looks like, I, I don't see how you, you don't take him. I'll say that again, because he's his profile is different. And you need to have a different profile for someone who is performing and playing matches for the top team in the Bundesliga.
0: But he doesn't fit the system, Charlie. We've stopped stopping with that system because
2: <laughs> we all know systems change. They're going to have to. You,
0: you, I think if you, you want you, you a little. You and if, if you point. have,
2: if you have your system and your plans have to change, then you have to have different types of players, different types of profiles. Somebody who's a, who's a, who's a predator. And here's, here's another tidbit. I had an opportunity to speak to the assistant coach of the Swiss national team. And I said, hey. Is
0: that a, is that a flex? Is it an no, assistant I mean, a flex?
2: No, I don't can think we so. we count assistants? So yeah. I said, I asked yeah, him right. about, about Jordy <laughs> Folk, And he said, Jordy Falk." I said, okay, say about you. And he goes, okay, say about you. Um, he is considered a, a good striker. He, is, he said if he was Swiss, he'd be on the Swiss national team because – they don't have the greatest strikers but put some respect on briel embolo's name <laughs> they, they don't see him as a as a typical nine um but they but they he, he did say he's a striker that everybody in switzerland respected because he's 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 not the fastest he's not the best dribbler but he's a goal scorer and that's what <laughs> he's your in the job form of his life but as he can't dribble <laughs> his- He can't he can't he's not a dribbler but <laughs> what i will oh. say is he gets in the box He's smart with his movements and he finishes. You, that's, that's what you want out of that position. And if you're in a game that doesn't require dribbling and being in an open space, but you're whipping balls in, you need to get a goal, you can put him in the game.
3: I was always better without the ball, Jimmy. You know that. You know, like I was at my best when the ball was nowhere near me in soccer. You know what I mean? Well listen,
2: I,
0: I, I saw a stat that said that on average in a professional game, a player will touch the ball only two minutes out of all the 90 right? You'll only have control of that ball for two out of 90 minutes. So that's where you and I succeed, Heath, because we didn't have to touch it for 88 minutes of the game. (laughs) And maybe the same for Jordy, because all we need him to do is bang home goals when they're whipping in crosses, which we might need if we're chasing the game at the end and somebody's really packing it in, in the low block and putting a lot of players in the box to clear it out. And we're probably going to run into that situation, I assume, in one of these three games for sure. And that's where we could really use them. And you have to be smart about your roster. You can't bang the same types of players in every single position. You need a little bit of Diversity in your attack, especially. All right. Well, Gio Reyna and Borussia Dortmund came back from 2 0 down last weekend to to draw with uh, Bayern Munich, 2 2 in Der Klassiker. They had a 1 1 draw midweek against Sevilla in the Champions League. Gio Reyna didn't get minutes last weekend, got minutes against Sevilla, had a nice little uh, dribbling, solemnly run, which was nice to see that he's got the confidence and still running at people because that's what he does best. We'll see if he gets, I don't think he'll start. They seem to want to protect them in bubble wrap, and at this point, I'm okay with it. Let's just get them 15, 20 minutes until uh, <laughs> the World Cup starts, and then maybe we can roll them out and see how it goes. So that'll be interesting to see, but let's the go back now. The problem don't, is they don't wrap any
3: of their other players in bubble wrap, and then G Arena ends up having to play 70 minutes because their other players get injured, uh, which is <laughs> That's less than true. ideal, but I'm for it.
0: <laughs> That's true. All right, let's go. I want to talk Weston McKinney because this is an interesting situation, and Charlie, I'll come to you uh, on this. He comes in at halftime last weekend for Juve, for Juan Cuadrado. Then he starts, and they lost to AC Milan 2-0. Then they go to Maccabi Haifa and lose 2-0 in the Champions League. He starts that one, gets pulled out at halftime. Maxi Allegri got that uh, dreaded, the board gave him the, no, no, he's still our coach until the end of the season from Andrea Agnelli, who runs Juve. And I think that's the kiss of death for Maxi Allegri, especially if they don't get results in the Turin Derby because they're taking on Torino this weekend. I don't know what's going to happen with Weston. I'm seeing a lot of criticism of him from the UV fans. There's a lot of talk that they're going to try to move him in January now and try to get milinkovic uh, Malinkovic Savage from Lazio and that they need to move him to make room for Malinkovic Savage. There's, there's a lot of smoke. I don't know how much fire is there, Charlie, but, uh, I don't know if Wesson's going to start. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how he's going to perform. He seems to be pretty hot and cold these days.
2: What I would say is at a big club, this is the norm. But names coming in, coming out. You know, managers coming in, coming out, tactics changing, form dipping. So naturally, as an American center center midfielder for Juve, sometimes it's really tough to find consistency. And he's had to prove himself. So I'm not worried about his mentality. I'm not worried about his skill, his skill set. He has to just take it day, game by game, week by week, training by training. And that's the mentality that you you want from a player. That's why they go to Europe because you're you're fighting, you're constantly tested, nothing's handed to you. For Weston McKinney, it's literally about performing when you get your chance. And sometimes he's taken it, and for the most part, he has taken it. That's why he's he's played so, so many minutes. But As of late, I I feel like there's been a dip in form. We've seen that with the national team. That was probably the worst game I've I've ever seen him play uh, in in a U.S. jersey uh, against that, especially in that first half against Japan. So for for Weston, it's just trying to build yourself back up and getting into a a rhythm and and, and getting that form up so that you, one, are playing uh, meaningful minutes for Juve, but two, you, you head into the World Cup really feeling confident and good about your performances.
0: Okay, no, from your lips to to the Weston McKinney's ears, hopefully he does well and and takes advantage of these minutes because it's getting feels dire. That whole situation feels dire. It's not just isolated to him. All right, I'm going to whip through all the other players. Heath, you jump in and and, uh, I think we might obviously spend some time on Leeds versus Arsenal, but let's end on that one. I'll do all the other ones. Celta Vigo is and that's Luca De La Torre hosting Real Sociedad. He hasn't played much, so I'm not expecting to see much of him. In this one, we got, uh, hell yes, Verona, who are on the bottom or close to the bottom of the table in Italy, taking on AC Milan. We'll see if Sergino Death starts. I'm not convinced that he's going to. I think that Pierre Kalulu, who started against uh, Juventus, will probably get to start it right back. And then uh, another game in the Premier League, we have Aston Villa taking on hosting Chelsea. I think that Pulisic will start in this one, even though some of the things I'm seeing is that he's not projected to start. I think Grant Potter is going to continue to rotate his squad, even though maybe he won't. Maybe he'll go with Raheem Sterling and, and Mason Mount because there's no midweek Champions League stuff next weekend. We also have Celtic and Cameron Carter-Vickers against Hibernian. They're going to be playing at Celtic Park. We got Watford versus, and this is the championship, Norwich. So Josh Sargent gets another chance to uh, get some more goals and make sure he stays on the tip of everybody's tongue in terms of uh, number nine that needs to come. And then Fulham versus Bournemouth. That's a big game for Fulham in particular. You got Tim Ream and Anthony Robinson needing some points. They've lost their last two, 4-1 and 3-1. And so they need to kind of write the ship and they need some goals. So, Alexander Michovic, I'm looking at you. Got to find that form that he had earlier in the season. And now we're gonna save all the MLS stuff for after the break, but let's get into Leeds versus Arsenal. Jesse Marsh, obviously, under a lot of
2: oh. Oh, oh he we gone. Lost...
3: <laughs> yeah, we may have <laughs> lost Jimmy on that one. Oh, hey, okay. Charlie. You got well, it. well, okay, yeah. Well, I got it. Before we before we get into to Leeds Arsenal, that was funny. I wish we should have just I I, I hope our producer screenshot of Jimmy's face. Uh, if you were I watching agree. this on video or listening to this on audio, Please. he froze and it's a, a really funny uh, facial expression that he was making. But what, real quick, Charlie, before we get into Leeds Arsenal, I wanted to touch, go back to um, actually Tanner Tessman and Gianluca Busio, two players that we considered part of the pool, Gianluca Busio much more so than than Tessman, but now find themselves in a much harder environment where, uh, and we talked about what it's like first division versus second division, playing less games. Uh, uh, Gianluca Busio than he did in in the first division because of the quality that he has, and that as the quality drops, the fight goes up in all of these leagues. But they're down towards the bottom of the table, not at the bottom, but not doing well, not playing a ton, and just worries me for a lot of our players that stick it out in these these situations where 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 uh, George Bello, another one of what relegation can do to a club, the stability of the club, the finances, the change of coaches, the change of that environment. Just wanted to mention that real quick. Uh, that that you know they ended up sticking it out. Whether it was because the transfer fees couldn't be met, not always a great situation. Even if you think you're going to get your minutes, there's just so much insecurity when you go down as a team that has to go through these financial uh, difficulties. But Charlie, real quick, to move on now to to Arsenal against Leeds. We know that uh, Matt Turner is going to be on the bench for this one, uh, but coming off of a great Europa League performance from him, and then Jesse Marsh, w- what continues to be sort of this. Uh, almost simmering of him in the hot seat for the results that leads are going through. Do you think that there's any risk for him? Do you think we know that, that most fans in most leagues have, have um, short-term memory. And if it's not about, you know, what have you done for me today? Then, then the questions start to be asked. And this is a team that's continuing to build their identity, but for Tyler Adams and Brendan Aronson, both seemingly having good performances on a team that, that, that I think is is struggling a bit.
2: They are struggling right now. And they're playing Arsenal, who is top of the table. I mean, this is not going to be an easy game, but one win, and that puts them at eighth with Bournemouth. So it, all it takes is one match to, to, to change the narrative for Jesse. And teams, teams, they're, it's not like they're, uh, even if they haven't been in the best of forms, it's always a competitive game, right? They're always in it. Yeah. I think this, this is a, a great game for our guys, in particular Tyler Adams and Brandon Aronson to see how they adapt with this Arsenal team who, who have been, for the most part, brilliant this year. So I'm really interested to see you know, what Tyler Adams, how his discipline is in a game like this because he's going to be asked to, to, to do so much in terms of covering ground, winning those balls, but he has to protect that back four in this game. And be strong in, in the midfield because Gabby Jesus, he'll check into the midfield. So cutting off the option to pass to him to his feet and forcing them to play him behind, make it predictable. And then you have Thomas Partey, you have Odegaard, who's always in the ball. How, how does he deal with that? And then Brandon Aronson on the, on the flip side, how does he find space in that midfield? Because Arsenal have done a good job of closing it down with the partnership between Granite Shaka and, and Partey. So I'm hyped for this is my Arsenal's our, our team. So, um yeah, this this one will be good.
3: Yeah, I don't it should be a fun match and and obviously the, the the issue with like you said, one win puts you back right middle of the table or upper middle of the table, you're always, you know, now you face the difficulty of your scheduling, right? You're playing against an Arsenal squad that could continue to carry that narrative, but hopefully they can get out of it. Arsenal obviously very good, Leeds are also very good at home, so it should be a fun one to watch. But we're going to take a quick break when we come back. We've got MLS playoffs to discuss, so don't go anywhere. And Heath
2: is paying his Wi-Fi bill.
3: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We are back. Obviously, Charlie, I'm not going to lie, man. The comments are going nuts right now for you and I to just take this thing and run with it. You know what I mean? It was a little bit of scramble, a little fumble on the field, and they just want us to run run away with this show and take it where we want to take it. But we're going to go MLS uh, Cup playoffs because, Charlie, you obviously work very closely with, with – with, uh, a lot of the content at Major League Soccer. You also call a lot of games, so there is nobody better uh, to to kind of give us a, an overview of what to expect in the playoffs coming up uh, than than you. So I'm going to actually give it to you, and 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 you tell me the matchup that you're most looking forward to, and uh, and and where you want to start here.
2: Yeah, uh, in terms of the matches tomorrow, you got a 12 p.m. Eastern kickoff. New York Red Bulls hosting Cincinnati. That to me is a, a match. You want to watch because of the way Red Bulls play. But if Cincinnati and, and Red Bulls have not been good at home and Cincinnati in terms of Brennan Vasquez, Lucho Costa and Brenner, it, it's a three headed monster. If they can defend well and just play on the attack and transition through those three, because, you know, Red Bulls just throwing people forward. Oh, Jimmy Trashcan, Conrad is back. (laughs) Oh, wow. I think Cincinnati stands a good chance to have an upset. I think Cincinnati's
0: going to win as well. Way to
2: go, Chuck. Great to see you. Hey, hold on, Charlie. There was –
3: Real quick, before you get to Galaxy Nashville, I gotta say, Jimmy, there was people that were worried about you only knowing how to start the show when you come back on that you were gonna come back on the show and say, "What's up, everybody?" Oh. Uh, but you're able to, yeah, yes, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, don't know,
0: I, I don't know what they're talking about. I would never do that. Yeah, yes, the, what is up, everybody?
3: But uh, so, Charlie, your 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 other game, uh, real quick, uh, that you were you were you were interested in from 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 this weekend that you wanted to start the conversation
2: on. Well, uh, I guess um Galaxy <laughs> is, a, is, is a good one but if i had to pick in terms of first round games that, that i have an eye on excitement wise is new york city versus inter miami i mean gonzalo higuain is is playing well they, they have this hype they get into the playoffs and new york city fc it seems like they found their belief again. And Alexander Collins has been a beast in the back at playing left back, getting forward, scoring goals, being being a player you can who can play both ways and I think his impact has has been incredible for New York City FC. So that's a game small field, a lot of chances, um entertaining.
3: Hey, by the way, fun fact Jimmy, uh, Nashville obviously beat LAFC to finish the regular season here and I think they've stayed here the entire time to play uh, against against uh, LA Galaxy in the playoffs. I could be wrong, but I know we're we're, we're doing a, a youth clinic here this weekend, and uh, the the people that have come into town are staying in the same hotel as Nashville. And I'm wondering if if they stuck it out
0: for an entire week here to train and, and prepare. Do you think that would be normal? Or I don't know, know if it would either? be normal, but it makes a lot of sense. I mean, if I'm Gary Smith and I can keep control of the environments and we don't have to do cross country trick you know, traveling back and forth when we're just going to do the same thing when we get back there. Now the guys that have families, obviously that's going to be a bit of a sacrifice, but it's the playoffs, baby. Talk about the playoffs. I like Nashville yeah. in this game, honestly. I think that Gary Smith just knows how to suffocate teams. You got Haney, uh, Haney Mukhtar who scoring goals for fun and just bossing any team that's in his way. That's going to be Galaxy's big challenge is really trying to handcuff him, either his involvement or trying to stifle the service into him. Right? There's two different ways to, to try to slow down a top player of his quality. I just think Nashville
2: know how they're to gonna, turn it on. they are gonna make it I, bad. they are gonna make it ugly. Yeah. Right. Defend and then counter through Hani Mukhtar, who's gonna be the MVP. Right. So I think that it's a game that's probably not gonna be the most attractive to watch, but hey, I hey, but I that's think the
3: playoffs, Nashville, man.
2: Yeah, I think Nashville uh, defensively uh, will will put it together, and then you know it's on Ricky Butch to to do to do the job. I mean, he's been an incredible talent so far for the Galaxy, but he's going to need to continue to, to to make the game from the midfield.
0: I mean, These two teams played twice this season, and in L.A., it was 1-0 to the Galaxy, and then in Nashville not too long ago, that's when Chicharito missed yet another penalty. <laughs> it was 1-1. So these two teams play pretty tight. I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of both managers, and I think they, they know how to get the most out of their teams. Who's going to take their opportunities? Chicharito, Mukhtar, who's going to make the saves? That's uh, obviously – going to pr- you know, prove to be the difference. This is Captain Obvious type analytics, but this is, um, it's going to be a good game, but it's going to be ugly. So if I was going to try to find something a little bit more aesthetically pleasing, I might watch Montreal. I love Montreal right now. They're flying under the radar. they taking on Orlando City. I think that game's going to be really interesting. NYCFC Inter-Miami is going to be interesting because NYCFC waited till I don't know, the very last minute to name where they're going to play this home game. And, and you got Phil Neville, the, the coach of Miami, being all pissy about, you know, this is a joke. This is a country that wants to host a World Cup in four years, and they can't even get a home field for this. He just went in hard, which is going to be interesting. My and game. then Gonzalo Higuain says it's his last ever professional game if he loses this one. He already announced. I think you mean Higuain. Higuain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's Mike Pecky. Mike Pecky would call, Pecky would call him Higuain. Uh, but there's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of good games. There's a lot of good games. Austin FC obviously had a huge turnaround from in, in points uh, from last season to this season. So can they take that into the playoffs? Obviously, having a game at home against Pablo Mastrani and RSL, that's another team that likes to play ugly. I mean, at times, they can they can turn it on. But but I think when playoff time, everything just gets a little bit tighter. I don't know. Heath, did you have any games that you were looking at? No, I like the, I like the
3: LA-Nashville one. Again, you already covered that, so I don't want to go too much in detail. I mean, Austin FC against RSL is, is one that I think is also an important one. Austin kind of went through, obviously, if you go – back to last year where they were horrible and this year, just a complete turnaround of a team and then flirting with the top almost all season long and putting a beating on, on LAFC at one point and in the stretch thinking that might, they might even be able to to go after a, a, a supporter shield ended up falling short of that, but are still a team that obviously has, has weapons and has a style of play. That's really attractive. That could be a fun one against RSL and RSL. I just don't know what to expect out of them uh match over match and obviously coming in as 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 the seven uh austin fc at home that's that's one that i mean austin fc is not a team that i would want to play in the playoffs just because of they've sort of had this redemption mentality all season long and and, and uh they're probably going to bring it in this one as well
0: yeah i think austin they've scored the second most goals in the western conference and uh i don't know i just think they're full of confidence now salt lake had to go into portland's and or excuse me, at stay at home and play Portland to both vine for a playoff spot and got that win. So they kind of cut their teeth in a playoff environment already. Sometimes that does help you be prepared for what's about to come. I do want to talk FC Dallas, Minnesota United as a resident number nine, Charlie Davies, because Jesus Ferrer has got a chance to now shine in the playoffs. They just got to get him the ball. He seems to do well when he's fed. It's a little bit harder for him to to maybe have as much of an impact if he's not seeing a lot of the ball, which is what we see at times when he plays for the national team.
2: I want to see him shine because if he's doing it for uh, for FC Dallas in the playoffs when he's got to be the main man, that's going to help him in a World Cup situation. There's pressure, the expectations. For him to rise above it and deliver in this – I know it's not the World Cup, but it's a pressure situation. It's the playoffs. Let's, let's go. I, I want Jesus Ferrer to take that next step forward because everyone's going to be watching. Everyone's going to say, what does this U.S. Men's National Team striker have? Well, does he have that X factor? Can he impact the game in different ways? Well, ultimately, you want to see him score goals. But how, how does he move? What's Minnesota is going to make it difficult. They're, they don't play, you know, the 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 most pleasing to the eye. Um, so, I'm I'm excited yeah. for Jesus Ferrer because this is a big opportunity for him. And if he he grabs it with both hands, then that's just more confidence for him that he could he could do it for the U.S. Men's National Team in the World Cup.
0: Here's the fun fact about this FC Dallas Minnesota United game. Uh, Dallas, in their last six at home, beat the Galaxy, uh, beat the Earthquakes, not that hard. Philadelphia Union drew with RSL, beat LAFC, and beat Sporting Kansas City. Those are some quality, quality teams, uh, one of which was the Supporter Shield winners, and obviously Philly Union doing it on the Eastern Conference. So I think I like FC Dallas in this one, despite me going over to support Minnesota United last week on Decision Day. That was fun to see some old friends. Uh, on the flip side, Minnesota United have lost five out of six away from home and including their last one against San Jose 2-0. the sporting Kansas City 4-1. They kind of limped into the playoffs, did just enough against Vancouver to get in. Is that enough? Will that give them a breath of fresh air to make it happen? I don't know. Let's do predictions. Let's make it our final thoughts at the same time. Charlie, I'm coming to you. I think we already have an idea who you think is going to win MLS Cup. But why don't you remind everybody that maybe didn't know
2: Wait. Yes, I have Cincinnati upsetting New York Red Bulls. I have Nashville upsetting Galaxy. I have Austin beating RSL. I have Montreal beating Orlando City. I have New York City FC beating Inter Miami. I have Dallas beating Minnesota. Then I have uh, FC Dallas beating Austin, uh, LAFC beating Nashville. So it's I love this, it's like a
0: blow by blow over here. Yeah, LAFC
2: <laughs> Dallas Conference Final. LAFC wins home field advantage. I think plays a big role in LAFC getting. To MLS Cup. And then on the other side, I have as my Eastern Conference final uh, the Philadelphia Union versus Montreal. And Montreal, um, because they they have beaten Orlando City, because they had to uh, beat New York City FC, I think Montreal gets to MLS Cup final versus LAFC. And LAFC ends up.
0: Wow. Look at that. I like that. Thank you for that, Charlie. That's a good final thought, man. How about you, Heath? You're gonna give us a blow by blow. How do you think it's I, gonna go?
3: I, okay, I'll give you. I'll give you that. Hold on, let me just go let open you, up this get thing again. Get your bracket up. Uh, well, I've get got. Uh, I've got. L- I've got. LaFC winning their first round by uh, going into the conference semifinals. <laughs> I've got Nashville beating LA. I've got LaFC beating Nashville and going to the uh, Western semifinal. Okay. Okay. So that uh, the conference that final. Sorry. Uh, I've got. I've got Minnesota actually beating Dallas. Uh, uh, Austin beating RSL. RSL then getting to the conference finals by beating Minnesota. Uh, So it'll be an LAFC uh, Austin, which I don't generally like to go one and two seeds like that, but that's the way I see it playing out both high scoring teams. It's just a matter of whether or not they can actually tighten it up and play in tight circumstances, but they do both have the ability to to get goals in in tough moments. And then on the other side, I've got Philly taking on Cincinnati in the conference semifinals after Cincinnati beat uh, Red Bull NYCFC taking on Montreal uh, after NYCFC, obviously beating Miami and Montreal beating Orlando and then from there it's where it gets a little bit tricky for me you it know does. I think I think I'm going to go with with what Charlie said Montreal going to the conference finals uh against a a Philadelphia Union and
0: uh I'm So I'm wait 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 saying... you have you have 1 2 and 1 2 is your final yeah. four Yeah I'm oddly wow. I'm just oh, when oh I, I Charlie can you give him can you give I mean, him some some crap for that? Like, like okay. he only gives you a hard time. No. The okay, favorites. you know what? It's, okay, it's right. one two, one two. Right. Like, there's no upsets. No,
3: the only Just other it. thing that I would go with is NYCFC beating Montreal in in the uh, in the conference semis. The, the reigning the MLS finals. Cup champions, and NYCFC. Then do, they, but and then they,
2: do they beat yeah. the Union again?
3: And then that's I mean that's I mean the Union one was tough because last year they had a, a 152 COVID cases and had to play yeah. with, like <laughs> replacements. Uh, but I, I see I'm not
2: i beating them in PKs. That's what I think.
3: Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm going to go with I'll go with uh, NYCFC then just to shake it up for Jimmy because he doesn't like the one <laughs> and I'll go with uh, I'll, I'll go with um, Philadelphia Union winning that one going to a final uh, union versus uh, LAFC LAFC wow, one versus one at one. home um,
0: and you're going to the chalk taking, as they say that one yeah. at home. Yeah, yeah. you have LAFC yeah. winning as well at home. Uh, unless you final out the bank would be would be pretty sick. I'm not I think lie. it will be tough for, for, for be the there. union to go all the way <laughs> the way the union are so good. Um And they were
3: again, they were they were a multiple COVID cases away from a final last year. And and um, and I think that was unfair. But uh, LAFC are so deep right now that you can throw anything at them and they can put up a different type of team that can challenge. Um, and very very unlikely that you have the one in the one but that's what I'm I'm gonna go with Uh, maybe I'm a little too deep uh, in the fact that like you know close to Union and close to LAFC All
0: right, Chuck's gotta go Chuck we'll take off I'm gonna give you my bracket we'll see you next week Chuck thanks for everything enjoy uh, your weekend or wherever you're going and hope you wear a turtleneck Charlie (laughs) every day's a weekend for Charlie Jimmy you know
3: Charlie doesn't live for the weekend he lives for the seven (laughs) days a week of which he is on vacation uh
0: (laughs) All right. So this is, uh, I'm kind of going very similar to you in some ways, Heath, a little bit more idealistic and, and more about what I want to see as opposed to maybe what will happen. I got LAFC and I against LA Galaxy. I want to see El Trafico in the conference semis. I want to see that. And then I want Dallas versus Austin in the other conference semi because I want to see a Texas derby. I just want to see those two derbies happen in the playoffs. I think it just would be cool for. The culture for the people, <laughs> and then I think that LAFC will get past the Galaxy. It'll be a high-scoring affair because they always are. I can't wait for that one. By the way,
3: I'm that's one that I'm already like planting seeds of like if anybody, I, I'm getting tickets. I, I, will I went to I,
0: I went to the one last time they played. It was six to three. It was the most amazing game. Yeah, if it happens, I'm probably going to have to come down from San Francisco to make it happen. I, I I want Austin to go through, but I got a sneaky feeling that Dallas might do it for whatever reason. So so just to change it up and be a little bit different. I'll say LAFC versus FC Dallas in the conference final on the Western side. Philly versus Cincinnati. I think that Cincinnati is going to get past New York. Cincinnati are unbeaten in their last 13. I just like the vibes. And uh, I want to see how it goes. And then I think Miami's going to upset NYCFC. I think that Miami's got a point to prove. I think Iguane's going to show up knowing that once he loses, that's the end of his career. And, and I think he's going to be ready to go. And I think he's going to have some magic in there. So I'll that'll be my shock. Miami beating NYCFC, a six seed beating a three seed. I like Montreal a lot. So Montreal versus Miami. Montreal gets through. Philly gets past Cincinnati. So I have one versus two in the yeah. other side. I, I want to see that. Those have been the two best teams. And, and I want to see them compete against each other for a chance to get into the MLS Cup final. If you
2: Real so, quick on your final
3: thought on that, Jimmy. What's the one team that you feel the least confident predicting on because of you just haven't followed them as much or they, you just aren't art as in deep that you're like this one, this one could bite me.
0: I think LAFC could be that team. I, yeah. I love Steve. Chirindolo. I mean, that guy is like a brother to me, probably to you and to many others. He's just an awesome human being. And I think they've built a, a really great team. They got the supporter shield. As I mentioned to Kellen Acosta, yesterday only seven supporter shield winners have ever gone on to win MLS Cup out of 26 seasons there's a curse there I don't know maybe may, they have the guys to do it it's clear on on paper that's they actually more win. than I thought by the way that's almost that's like more than 25 percent yeah but that's right? yeah yeah um but but I I, I I would be surprised I wouldn't be surprised if they got knocked out I just yeah. I don't know for whatever reason I could just see th- then, you know, the 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 Mike Tyson quote, you know, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face and then LAFC is going to come in. Somebody's going to punch them, And not that they won't have the answers. Maybe the, the the other goalkeeper will be standing on its head. Maybe they'll hit the cross. You know, it'll just be something like they dominated, but they just didn't win the game. Right. On paper, they should win. I think they're going to win. I'm predicting them to get to the final. I think they'll beat FC Dallas to get there. Yeah. And then I I actually might go just for fun, go with an Eastern team. Uh, It, it just would be cool to see the Philadelphia Union fans win something in consequence. So I'm going to, and the players, of course, and what Jim Curtin's built. And and uh, I want to see him get rewarded for everything that they're doing to build an incredible club in MLS. So I'm going to go with Philadelphia Union to win MLS Cup. And I hope that I didn't just jinx them. <laughs> I like that. It's a good, I mean, it's a good
3: shout for sure. They've got the best defense. <laughs> they're so good. They scored insane. Their identity goals. is clear.
0: Yeah. Their identity yeah. is clear. They know exactly who they are and what they're about. My, and I think my, that other teams are close to that, but consistently, maybe not as consistent. Let's say it like that. than than the Philadelphia.
3: Yeah. I I mean, and the only argument I would have about LAFC is we've seen in the past, you know, they fall short when teams come in like a Seattle Sounders who aren't in the playoffs this year and just go, you know what? We're just going to kick you. We're going to punch you. We're going to play scrappy Uh and we're going to see if you can figure it out. We've got enough quality. If we get one or two chances, we'll beat you. Um, what I saw from LAFC this year, when they went through this turbulent phase where Steve Trundle was sitting on 18 or 19 wins, close to the first season record of 20, they were cruising. Somebody else, they were cruising. cruising. Then they hit a slump uh, of like four or five games where they had some poor, poor uh, officiating. They had some poor circumstances. They started to get bit by like one mistake, beat kills you, which we saw all last season from them. And then they came back out of that, which I thought was a really important growth moment for this team to be able to keep moving forward, not hit the panic button and, and came out. Yeah. They didn't finish on a win against Nashville in their final game of the season, but I do think that they were, they were solid in that one. And they just, again, they have so many different ways and so yeah, much you. a mix of experience. Yeah. They've got depth in the bench. They've got number of ways that they can bring in players um, and change the, the, the way in which they play that it's hard to not think that this is the best LAFC team
0: collective team going into the playoffs that we've had so far. I, I, can't say otherwise. I agree with yeah. you 100. And and I'm not saying that if they won if they won MLS Cup, I wouldn't be surprised either. I mean that that quality is that clear. But uh, maybe to be a bit of a contrarian, I'll just go with uh, somebody else. But I also believe that Philadelphia Union could go on and do it. And I thought they got hosed, absolutely hosed last year in the playoffs because of all the COVID stuff when they were also primed to make another run. And there, I mean, their matchup against. Uh, Whoever they play, who is the NYCFC would NYCFC have been much, FC, much yeah. different.
3: Yeah, I mean, and, and it's at this point now where where one game, uh, one match rounds, and a bye really changes that dynamic, right? Like the one seeds or supporter shield winners, like when you got home and aways in the past and things like that, that might alter. You got three games and you're a champion. Three games and you're a champion instead of home and aways and all that sort of stuff. That it could change the dynamic of that, but they still got to be able to deliver. And we talked to. Kellen Acosta, where he's yesterday, where he's mentioning, you know, you want to be able to play those games 10 days between matches after a loss. Can't feel good. While another team is coming into your match.
0: Already cutting their teeth. Yeah, 100%. And and we've seen that time and again. We saw it last year with the New England Revolution, who were the Supporter Shield winners. And they had to wait, what, 20-something days before they played their first playoff game? And it showed. They just didn't look as sharp as the team they were playing against. And uh, that proved to be the difference. All right, Heath. We're done for today. So on behalf of producer Dez, producer Alex, Charlie Chuck Wagon Davies, who had to leave early. I don't know. He had to get his uh really nice shoes shined or whatever he's doing. I don't know what Charlie's doing these days. I, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. He's crazy. He's all over the place. And of course, Hollywood Heath Pierce. I'm Jimmy Conrad, Dino Conrad saying thank you for listening and watching to In Soccer We Trust. As always, and we'll see you next week with a recap, a special guest. Of course, we got a big one potentially coming. We don't want to release it yet, but we never disappoint you guys. We always have a big name to dive into all the fun stuff. And of course, we're getting closer and closer to the November 9th deadline of when the 26-man roster for the U.S. Men's National Team is going to drop. We cannot wait. So thank you for joining us on this adventure. We'll see you soon. Later.
2: Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen.
1: Are you still listening? Good.